0: Hey friends, welcome to episode four of the Culture Carries Us podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Poff, and as always, I just wanna say thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. Man, guys, the first three weeks have been gold. Our guests have brought such great insight and perspective into culture, leadership, building relationships, and just developing people. And what's been really cool is the various platforms of which they all come from. This week, however, I'm super excited to welcome Dr. Cooper. Dr. Cooper is a principal here in Gwinnett County, and I just believe that her passion for social-emotional learning, uh, diversity in the classroom, and just really how she engages and interacts with her staff and her students is just very motivational, inspirational, and I think we're gonna gain a lot of insight uh, from her platform, her perspective, and just her approach, really, to leadership and developing cultures. Couldn't be more excited and humble and thankful to have Dr. C join us on the show today. Dr. C, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's a
0: pleasure to be here. Awesome. So once you start out, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and kind of what's led you to where you are today.
1: Absolutely. So um, I was born in New Jersey. I've actually been in Georgia for about 16 years now. I can't believe it went by so fast. Grew up in a a, um, mom and dad family, um, so to speak, Um, middle class family growing up right outside of Newark, New Jersey in a town called Hillside. My mom was a high school teacher. My dad was um, in the National Guard and, you know, worked in technology. He was a DJ also on the side, which was really fun growing up. Nice, yeah. Yes, yeah, so much fun. But um, really grew up, you know, being around very diverse communities. I went to private school um, from kindergarten to fifth grade and then just um, had some unique experiences in middle school and um, went to uh, um, three different middle schools and went to, um. Uh, a Catholic high school and um, right on to college. And um, while working in retail, while um, in college, I thought I wanted to be a fashion merchandiser and ended up um, deciding to go into teaching. So one of the best decisions I made, and in 2005 after teaching grades first through fourth in Patterson, New Jersey, and then moving um, into working for the state for one year, ended up moving down to Georgia where my parents had moved down two years before. And um, just um, enjoyed my experience. I went to UGA, got my master's, and went to West Georgia, and ended up getting my doctorate also at um, UGA. I'm just in 2018. Um, I'm divorced. Um, Have a dog, a copper spaniel named Dexter Coco, and just (laughs) enjoying. Nice (laughs) name, Dexter Coco. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, just living life. You know, my parents are getting older. My mom is 81, and. My dad is 79 and I I just love them dearly. We're very close. So, you know, just enjoying life really right
0: now. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, it kind of seems like you kind of followed your mom's path. So she was in education and now you're doing that and you also have the, you know, you're blessed to be able to be in the same state with them again. Absolutely. Speak a little bit about your platform and the opportunity that you've been given to lead like where you are now. Yes, so
1: you know I had the privilege when I was a teacher in Patterson. I so to give you some context, I grew as a teacher in Patterson, New Jersey. If you've ever heard of the movie Lean on Me mm-hmm. um, with Joe Clark. So yeah. those my students, elementary school, could have gone to his high school. So that kind of gives you a little idea of the urban setting that I taught in. And so while I was there, I was trained um, in social emotional learning under responsive classroom. And that was my first experience really learning about what social emotional learning um, was. And that was years ago, that was back in the nineties. You know, now people speak of the fact that it's uh, it's new and it really isn't new, it's been around for years. But that's one of my major platforms is making sure that children feel safe socially and emotionally um, as well as adults, you know, so when we think about culture um, I want to make sure that my my staff also, as a principal, you know feel socially, emotionally, and safe in their learning. Um, and then my other platform is really based on um, culturally responsive teaching and really making sure that children of color, um, even, Uh, different children that are just different, no matter, you know, Mm -hmm. their, um, their gender, their sexuality, their religion, whatever it is that makes them who they are. I just want them to live in a space where they are comfortable, including the staff that I have. So those are my two things that I just drive. Um, I'm actually really excited. I'm in the midst of um, writing a book right now
0: that kind of brings the two of those together. Man, that is awesome. So Yeah, the social and emotional, can you speak a little bit more? So for the listeners who may not know what that means, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, when you think about social and emotional learning, um, the way that I like to define it is it's a proactive approach that has a reactive response if needed. So basically in all schools, um, teachers and leaders are allowed to create a space where children feel like they belong, where they feel significant, and they have an opportunity to have fun. And so when you take those three things together and you couple it with knowing the children for who they are, um, and what I mean is knowing them developmentally, knowing them culturally and individually, that allows us to create a space that is um, supported by social emotional learning um, support. So I take the time to research my students. Um, I take the time to get to know them by asking questions, by um, the basics of doing inventory of who they are and also talking to them. And so it's not all about just, let's talk about the curriculum at our school. Our school takes time to have A morning meeting, for example, to make sure children are greeted every day, um, make sure that they have an opportunity to share something that's important to them or that's unique about them. Um, And also having an opportunity just to have an activity and fun experience first thing in the morning and being able to connect to the day with the experience or conversation with the teacher about what is going to happen in the day. So that creates safety because you know what your day is going to look like. And then throughout the day, you're providing opportunities for children to practice behaving in the right way. So, you know, a lot of times um, we might assume that children know, we might assume that, They know how to behave because you're in fifth grade now, or you're in middle school now, or you're in high school now. But we have to really pause and understand that every child has an individual trait and characteristic. And just because I'm 13, doesn't mean that my chronological age of being 13 is not going to, is, is going to gel with my developmental characteristics of being 13. So I've learned through my work that developmental age does not always match chronological age. So once we know our children individually, once we know them developmentally by some of the attributes of certain age characteristics that scientists and theorists have said to us, then we can also say, wow, you're an African American child, you're a Latino child, you're a white child. How can I begin to understand you more through your culture? So we bring all those things together, and it's three-pronged. I'm knowing my kids individually, culturally, and developmentally. And once I've done that, then we can access the curriculum and make sure that then students are attending. And sometimes that happens not at all, or it happens opposite. You know, we try to throw the curriculum, let's learn, 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 but we do have to pause proactively and throughout the year to really get to know our kids.
0: Yeah, Dr. C., that's good stuff because I feel like, how, how great must it be to be a teacher on your staff or a student in your school because you're putting the priority on the person, yeah. right? It's about the person first. Like, do we want them to learn to write and to read and to do math? Well, absolutely, obviously, but it's always people first, right? I mean, that's what we're here for is to impact people and you cannot impact someone if you do not know them. And that's so right. I love that your priority is, is really all about Is rooted in building relationships. Like you're trying to learn every one of your students so that you can be the best for them. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, you know, we take for
1: granted the power of calling someone by their first name. We take for granted the power of eye contact and listening and really pausing. And, you know, when I first began at my school nine years ago, um, I didn't come and say, we're going to do SEL. We're going to do this program. I came modeling, expectations of how you treat people. You know, we take for granted that people in a school system all pass each other in the hallway and speak. I'm learning because my school's so different. That doesn't happen everywhere.
0: That's right. You yeah. know?
1: And I had one of my teachers tell me, you know, Dr. Cooper, you said hi to me one day. And she said, I called my friend and said, Oh my God, the principal spoke to me today. And I just, was, I was so amazed by that because I can't imagine if you're working for me, I don't, and and I don't speak to you and even give you eye contact, you know, but we take for granted that that's happening everywhere, but it's so important for teachers to feel known. And, you know, Kelly, one of the things, you know, at the end of the year, we're doing summatives, you know, we're Mm -hmm. closing out evaluations and I meet with every single teacher one-on-one. It takes, I did 30 yesterday and it takes a long time, <laughs> Right. but when I tell you how worth it, it is yes. for me to just be in a room like you and I are and me to look at them over zoom, of course, right now, and just to say, thank you. And I'm so proud of you. And, you know, what are you most proud of this year that you've accomplished? And, you know, I had a couple teachers crying, you know, just because I paused, even though it was 10 minutes, I listened to them. I let them uh, tell me how they were feeling about, you know, whatever it was that they were proud of. And I always closed it with how proud I was of them. And if they're leaving to go to another school or district, you know, I closed up well. And I think. You know, we have to make sure that every single one of our staff um, knows that regardless of what can happen in the school year or regardless of what happened yesterday, that you're still important to me. And the only way to do it is to be purposeful and proactive about scheduling that time in to give them that opportunity to know it. Because someone may not know if I'm just passing in the hallway, but if I schedule the time to say you're important enough to me that I want to meet with you and yeah. pour into you, um, it really speaks volumes.
0: Yeah, it's definitely impactful. I mean, you know, like the small moments matter. And so when we can make people feel seen and valued, yeah. there's buy-in yeah. and there's a sense of ownership. And I mean, it's at that point you don't have to motivate your teachers to buy into your vision because no. they're bought they've bought into you. That's like, right. Once they're bought into you, like they're on board now. Like, oh, what's your vision? We got your back. Let's go. That's right. You know? that's right and it, and it takes a process you know i won't tell you that
1: my first couple of years you know everybody was on board but you know when i came to my school we were the 69th school out of 73 that's how low we were wow. you know yeah. and so you know when you come to start um becoming a principal at a building you want to build relationships but you got to build them as you're trying to create a new um a new culture of excellence for students. Cause that's what we're here for.
0: Right.
1: And, you know, as a title one school, you know, that I work in, um, our children need teachers that believe in them and that want to do the right thing for kids. And um, it takes some prodding, you know, sometimes everybody's not going to jump on board with you, you know, but you, when you know, you know, we call it that laser focus of knowing where you want to go and knowing that your kids can, once they see that, this works, you know, and they see some of the the fruit of their labor and that, wow, this lesson did um, allow my students to perform. Then you have the evidence that you can continue to go on. So you do have to celebrate the small wins. And you know, when you're building a culture, and you also have to make sure that teachers and staff are celebrated throughout the year, um, for what they do and not just you know, because all we spend a good time of the year saying, okay, who was first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. And, you know, nobody wants to see their, their name on the fifth rung, right? However, we still need to go back and say, but you did this, but there was growth, you know? Yes. And so that growth piece is really important because we're always not going to knock it out the park, Kelly, but we do have to make sure our teachers know that we recognize you for even the small ones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is all about growth, right? And so, baby steps are still steps. And so, when we can yeah. show people their growth, and then motivate them, and like, really, it's not about doing it for them, but it's about giving them a piece of the ownership, right? Giving them the tools yes. to do it on their own. Yes. And that's what that's what our job is as leaders. And so, that's good stuff. And you, and you mentioned earlier, you said something about listening, you know, and eye contact. And one of the things that is really big on our with my softball team at Decula, one of the things that I always tell my players is, listen with your eyes. And so we say that and it's like up in our locker room and like at the beginning of each like post-game talk, you know, with the team or whatever, or pre-game talk, sometimes I'll be like, listen with your eyes. And then they're all like right here. And now it's like, I don't have to say it because now it's like ingrained as part of our culture. And so that's now funny. it's, they understand that like, oh, that's what you do when you respect someone. And that's what you do when you actually like want to hear what they're saying and be like fully present in the moment. And so it made me think of that when you said that, because I think listen with your eyes is really powerful. It is powerful. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to use that, Kelly. Yes, use that. (laughs) I'm going to use a lot lot of your stuff too. You know, that's what this is about. So, Um, all right. So I guess we've kind of spoke on this a little bit already, but you know, as a principal, what have you found to be the most important part about the culture of your school? So my answer is going to be twofold. I think what's most important to
1: do is to value it Um, because if you don't value the culture, the culture um, will disband, and so you really have to make sure that it's a value that you work on constantly, um, because it can slip between the fingers. Um, but when you know what you know, when it comes to the big picture of collaboration and making sure that people's voices are heard and that you create systems where people can feel like they belong in the culture, really begins to allow your culture to, you know, um, to to, to be a positive space and to really improve. So for example, you know, years ago, um, I'd say my first year of of being a principal, um, you know, we got the survey back. And one of the biggest ones on there is I can um, share my opinion that's different from my principal. And um, sometimes people will always believe that, this person may not take my opinion or they may not actually think that what I'm saying is of value. Mm-hmm. So I work really hard to, when I have my meetings and you know, we have so many that are virtual. Um, I, I schedule it in, I schedule in questions. I have a principal's advisory council where people, I don't have an agenda. I let them create the agenda and tell me you know, what it is they're thinking and that they need. And then I'm very strategic. When people give ideas, I, I say like you've heard say one today, I'm going to grab that idea. I think that's a wonderful idea. Thank you for sharing. Or thank you for sharing. Let me give you something to think about because of this, 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 and that. You know, because it takes a risk to be able to share your thoughts and your feelings to your principal. I get that. It's vulnerability,
0: it's, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's
1: hard. <laughs> what are they yeah. going to Shoot me down. Or are they going to think, you know, whatever. And so I have been really excited about watching people do that with me um, and me acknowledging it and really making sure that they understand that this is a safe place to do it. So culture is really intentional. Um, you have to be proactive about it because if you aren't, in my opinion, um, culture is going to take on itself and it's going to continue to roll on without, um, necessarily, uh, the structure that it might need to have. Now, it's not to say that, um, you know, your, your teams or your school can create a positive culture. But if you are the leader in that building, you want to make sure that you manage it and make sure that you're watching how it goes. Because sometimes culture can go down where gossip, you know, gets there's negativity. And I am really, really, um, I have a, one of my strengths is positivity. So sometimes I can be hyper positive and I have to be careful about that. Um, and they call it toxic positivity. I don't know if you've ever heard that, Kelly.
0: I haven't actually. Um,
1: but what it is, yeah, it is. It's interesting. And I have a little bit of it. Um, and, you know, I've done the Strengths Finder. And one of my strengths is positivity. So what happens with a person like me is you might say, like, you know, my kids failed. You know, all my kids failed. And I'll say, it's going to be okay. Why don't we go ahead and do this, 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 and that? Yeah. You know, you looked at this and looked at that. And sometimes people want to sit in that feeling for a moment before we jump over to how to fix it. And I have to be mindful of that, that some people sometimes need just to be able to let out how they feel without having someone just say, it's okay, let's move on. You'll be fine. Rah, rah, you know, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> and I have to be conscious of that because, you know, um, we all need that time to vent and be able to talk about those parts of our lives that aren't going well. And so we have to have that balance and I'm learning still um, to continue to do that with my people.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think, when you were talking about at the beginning just now, you you're what I got from it was consistency. So mm-hmm. when you build a culture, right? When you start to establish a culture, the only way to maintain that culture is for there to be consistency and for that consistency to start at the top with you. That's right. And to like permeate all the way through your building, right? And it doesn't just permeate to your teacher or your admin and then the teachers like it should permeate to the custodial staff and they should feel as an equal. Like with you, you know, if you make, right. if you make them feel like that, like you're winning at that point, you know, That's right. and then permeate all the way to your, to your students. And so I think that a huge part of maintaining a culture once it's established, so you don't have where it dips, like you were talking about is, is consistency is being present for you. Like, or for me as a leader, I need to be present in front of my people, in front of my team all the time. They need to know I love too. them.
1: Yes. And that visibility is really important too. Um, you know, I struggle, I'm just going to be very transparent. We have an upstairs and a downstairs and I don't get upstairs as much, you know, and I had a teacher tell me the other day, she goes, you know, cause I've, I've lost like 40 pounds lately and nice, you know, thank you. Yeah. And they, she saw me and she goes, you know, we don't see you um, every day. And it just, you know, and I, you know, just listen and we laugh. And she said, you know, and I just noticed you lost so much weight. Oh my gosh, but you know, we don't see you every day. So, that and I said, I have to change that. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and that little moment that she gave me helped me to understand that I need to be more present upstairs. And it's not that I don't want to go up there. It's just that I don't schedule it into my schedule the way that I should. Because, you know, you're by the office, you look at the first floor, everything's good. You go back in, you're, you know, you're in and out doing different things. But my fourth and fifth graders are up there, you know, and they need me. So, you know, that's one of the challenges that I try to, um, you know, get better at. And, you know, John C. Maxwell says that everything rises and falls on leadership. And you have to model those moments, you know, when you can apologize Mm-hmm. when you've gotten something wrong. Like the other day, I was having a faculty meeting and I said, we don't have specials tomorrow, do we? And the teachers are online like, yes, we do, you know? And I said, and I purposely said, I'm so glad you all corrected me. I had it all wrong, you know? And so for them to see that I can make mistakes and that I am not um, above, you know, making mistakes mm-hmm. as a principal, it speaks volumes to your staff, you know, and to those that you lead.
0: Yeah, it creates a great environment. You know, in my last episode, um, I had Kate Lavelle and uh-huh. she just, she just wrote a book with John Gordon called stick together. <laughs> Kate was on episode three. And she said that um, when she used to be an NCAA coach at the beginning of every season, she would get in front of her team. And the first thing she would say was I'm going to let you down at some point.
1: That's right. And,
0: and she was like, I just wanted to be like transparent, vulnerable, make oh, myself wow. human. and And I just thought that was so powerful because it's like, I just know my players and how they see me. Right. And so it's like, I know as a former player, like what that would have felt like. And even coming from a principal to your teachers, like I'm going to mess up sometimes. I'm going to let you down, but I promise you I will fix it. And I'm not always going to be perfect. Like I just think taking a moment to say that, I I think that's very impactful.
1: It is. And Kelly, you got to know yourself too. Yeah, You know, you have to take the time. Like I love assessments. I will take a test in a minute just to continue (laughs) to find out who I am. And I ask questions, you know, like today, my family, we were on Ancestry.com having a ball, like just stretching our family genealogy out all the way. Um, I've gotten it all the way to the fifth generation. Wow. Um, and on one of my family's sides, we've gotten all the way to slavery where, you know, right when one of my grandmothers came here and was on the Charleston slave ship, you know, so wow. I that yeah, it's amazing. I can't wait to get back yeah. to it. <laughs> that's but awesome. um, I tell you all that because you have to know who you are so that you can be able to um, promote your strengths because that's what StrengthsFinder tells us to do is to really dwell in your strengths but also know your weaknesses. So when you hire, when you are hiring your assistant principals, you know, one of our leaders used to always say, hire people that are smarter than you and that can take the vision forward because I can't do all of it on my own. And you have to be humble enough to say, you are really good at that. I need you on my team. I'm not as strong in that area. And so I've enjoyed getting to know myself better and you know you said um that that great point about I'm gonna fail you know when I got to my school I told them I said I do things last minute <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think best like right when I'm up on it now it stresses people out but they've learned to help me so in order for our school to move forward they'll get things started my AA will say hey I got the agenda up go ahead and look at it you know yeah um and it's not that I'm lacks, lacks on the work. It's just that I'm thinking about it, but it's just when I get close to it, not like the day, but when I get close to it, that is my best thinking. And I think it was good that I knew that
0: because then at least people knew what they were working with when Dr. Cooper came to their school. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, self-awareness is, that is a tool that we should all have and we should all practice often so that we know, like you said, kind of where we stand and how we can try to be the best version of ourselves, you know?
1: Yes. So for it. sure. So that's perfect.
0: All right. So what do you do to share your vision, like within your school, with your staff? Is this something that you, you're, you're constantly uh, reinforcing and putting in front of them? Is it things you guys talk about? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, you know, we have structures in place um, to continue to promote the vision. We have a team leaders group, you know, where there's great chair from every team, mm-hmm. from every team that meets with the administrators and um, those in leadership at the school. You know, we ha- we have conversations. And one of the things that I always say is there's power in the conversation. And I enjoy hearing teachers say I don't know if Dr. Cooper would like that or Dr. Cooper would like that, you know, and even though the vision has its jargon and all of the sentences and the words with it, you want people to know that if I put this in place, will this fit with the school or will it not? And, you know, our school district has a very strong theme, right? (laughs) That we've been able to build and sustain over the years. And so with that umbrella, you know, and with the principal and the assistant principals and all the teachers together, you know, we've really been able to sustain that community because we believe in it, you know, and I do believe that when you have a vision, you have to act upon the vision and you have to continue to um, make sure that whatever decisions you make are going to help your students become great citizens and you're going to help your adults continue to stay on the work, you know, because Um, It can stray and it's happened to us before, you know, we um, were very high um, at one point in our work and and we began to to decrease in our performance, making us a targeted school. And while that hurt um, every part of me, when I went back and reflected, I knew the vision was there, but if you don't, consistency, if you don't massage that vision and monitor it, you know, we Mm -hmm. talked about, we don't want to be micromanaged but you do have to micromonitor, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes I can be guilty of trusting everyone like, okay, Kelly, you know, your softball coach. Okay. I'm, I'm getting ready to go over here to the baseball coach. You do what you need to do. I'm going over here. And it's not to be insulting to those leaders, but you got to check in because someone may assume one thing and think that this is the standard and it may be off and it may be off so much, that it could take the team or, you know, the philosophy down into the road. So I learned um, the monitoring, the feedback is a real major part of sustaining your vision. And if you don't do it um, you could find yourself not being able to keep that vision and the performance of whatever you're doing, where it needs to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's very good. Um, so tell us what drives you like personally, what drives you, what are you passionate about? I really believe in hope for everything. Um, you know, when
1: I think about what drives me and the passion that I have for all that I do, I, I believe that people should live a life that's full, including myself and a life that is diverse, where people feel cared for, you know, yeah. I'm really big on care. Like, I just, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I love small moments, you have to be passionate about creating moments. Because before you know it, things could change, people can leave us, and we only get one opportunity to live this life. So, you know, even when I I went through my divorce, I, I um, I wanted peace and I wanted a life where I could be fully happy. And while you know when you go through those moments in your life that you might be breaking someone else's heart, you have to remember why you're here and what the mission is for your life. And my life has changed so much since I made that major decision. I just believe in that. I believe that we have to have the hope that we can create um, great experiences for our lives and others and to run relentlessly
0: to get that. Yes, that's, you gave me chills. That was good. Oh. <laughs> my last blog is called Moments Matter. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of just talked about how we tend to sometimes live life, I feel like, through the lens of phases or years when in reality, yeah. it, life is lived in seconds. One moment can change the path of someone's life. Like one word that you say to someone, one time that you show up or encourage someone, like it can change their life. And so I think like keeping that at the forefront of everything we do. And I know that's hard. We're human. We get into our you know routines. I think when we can be intentional about that, remembering that, that moments matter. I'm going to throw my mom's a story out there. She's 78 years old and we're, we're super close. And so it's really hard to kind of watch her like disappear slowly. Yes. It's just, it's super emotional, but -hmm. Uh, I got to see her today, and and one thing that I've been wanting to do in the past month since my podcast started was like tell my mom about my podcast because in the past, like years before, I've been on the phone with her every day. Like, guess what I'm doing? Like, let me tell you all about it. Right. I've been hesitant to do that because I know that she's not going to remember an hour later or the next day, and it hurts my heart. But I'm like, you know, she's still my mom, and she's going to be proud of me. In that moment, she deserves Mm -hmm. to know this is what my daughter's doing. And so when I saw her today. I told her about my podcast and I put on that first uh, episode yeah. with Brittany Rogers and I let her listen to it for a few minutes and then I turned it off and then I look over and she's like asleep beside me. And it's, it was a small moment. It's just such a big impact. You know what I mean? Like I, it it's a memory. It is. Yeah. And we definitely, you know, we got, we got a little off track from culture, but you know, yes. it, <laughs> moms are important. Number one. They are. <laughs> and number two, it still ties in because it goes back to being present with whoever you're with, like being fully That's present right. because just like that teacher, on the upstairs hallway, like, Oh, we have not seen you. You've lost so much weight. It's just like that one comment made you more aware of like, Hey, let me be more present. Let me be intentional about being there more often, you know? So moving on, what is a practice or a habit that you could share with us that has kind of helped you to be a better leader? So one of the things I do now when I exercise,
1: um, sometimes now, sometimes I, I listen to music that I like um, but, uh, we won't put that out there we kind of music that is. But anyway, I um I like audible books. So right now I'm reading a book called Um, I think it's love, actually, have it right here. I do. So I have this book, um, Set Round Boundaries, Find Peace, and it's by Nedra Glover Um, to lob. And so that's one of the practices that I have, because I can't read all the books I'd like to page by page. But um, when I'm exercising or walking, or when I'm in the car, I put my audible on just so that I can hear some of the reading, the quotes and things like that. And it has helped me a lot. Um, Another practice that I've created is boundaries. And just You know, I've read the book, but I've also read another book called Boundaries. Um, And that has helped me tremendously because here's the thing people look at me and they say, oh, she's so strong. You know, she's a principal and nothing seems to bother her. And behind those closed doors, things bother me. Right. But the way that I handle it so that I can continue to thrive is I set boundaries. And I set boundaries with everyone family, friends. TV, Instagram, if I feel something uncomfortable that sets in my soul about something, I compartmentalize it to make sure that it does not impact me in a negative way where I'm sitting up overnight thinking, crying, going through issues with it, you know, so boundaries are really important to me and really all you're doing is you are uh, constantly assessing what is this person, this experience, this thing doing to my heart, doing to my soul, and if it's not feeling good to you, then you have to make a decision of where that boundary goes, or where yeah. that you know place or thing goes.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't. I would definitely um, encourage all of our listeners and myself to really focus on that because I think I know that's something I could use yeah. just to be more aware. Yeah, of those boundaries. And I tend to like sometimes have a hard time saying no. So now I'm like piling more and more things on my plate. Yes. I don't want to say no because I do care and I want to help and I want to be a part of it. Then sometimes like everything lacks a little bit because I'm too spread Mm -hmm. out, you know? Yes. So that's good. I think boundaries, that's really, really good. All right. So this is the culture investment shout out part of our episodes. This is basically just a part where I give my guests, I continue to shout out to someone who has poured into you Um, You know, we don't get here by accident, right? Everything is on purpose. And just shout out to someone who's poured into your life and helped to shape uh, the leader and the person that you are today.
1: Yes, and um, that person for me is um, Dr. Nikki Mouton. And um, Nikki Mouton used to work in my district and she's in Texas now. We're friends, but she has always, you know, when there's parts of my life where I wanna, you know, I need advice or I need to do different things. She is one of those friends who pours into you and makes you feel like somebody (laughs) and you know we all have those friends that we can go and and socialize with and talk about tv shows with but i do believe you have to be purposeful about creating friendships and mentorships and that's really who she is to me um, a mentor who can pour into you and know you enough that they'll say crystal no crystal yes I sometimes don't know what to do, you know, in certain situations in my life and when you are around people that know you enough that aren't afraid to say, but that's not you. Let's put that over here. Let's focus on this mm-hmm. and they follow up with you. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's um, just a great sign of a friend. So that's who is my, is just my mentor friend and who's the highlight of my, um, my journey.
0: That's awesome. You know? because we all obviously are on a journey and the, you know, we have a lot of people who who do pour into us along the way on the journey. Yeah. And so I know that's going to mean a lot to her that, that you shouted out to her. Um, I just want to tell you how appreciative I am, how humbled. I'm thankful that you were on the show. I know that, I know I'm taking a lot away from this and I'm sure that our, our listeners will be encouraged as well. And I think it's really cool that, you know, the first couple of shows we, we had more sports related. <clears throat> what I really want from this culture carries us is, is to really focus on leaders in all capacities And I just want to, you know, give you props, kudos to you for how you're leading in your building, um, Mm -hmm. how you treat your, your people, your teachers, your students, and how you take the time to know them, to be aware of the cultural side, because that is so important. So man, kudos to you. And thank you for being on the show. Like you are, you are a joy and you have such a, such a great spirit about you. And I just really enjoy chatting.
1: Yes. And thank you for letting me even be able to share, you know, my story Um, because it really makes you who you are. And I think the last thing I'll say is don't be afraid to share your story, you know, because sometimes, you know, we feel like, you know, are people going to judge me or are people going to think differently of me? And you never know how great that story may change someone's life. And, um, you know, when you talked about the one thing, it was one person who went into a weight loss journey. And of course, we see weight loss journeys all the time but it was the one person who took me there. And this is the most success I've ever had in my life, being able to change my healthy habits. So, you know, just one is all you need sometimes.
0: (laughs) That's right. And, you know, you said story, not to be afraid to share your story. And and we're all so unique, right? Like nobody has Dr. C's story, but Dr. C. And like, nobody has my story, but me. And nobody will ever have my story, my exact story again. You know, I like to, to say a lot that, you know, we hold the pen. So we we are writing our story, right? Like if right. you don't like it, flip the script. If you don't like it, rewrite it, do something different. Like you have the power to change your life, you know, and you
1: can't worry about what other people are going to think,
0: you know, um, you don't want to go around hurting people, of
1: course, but make good decisions as best you can on the front end. I have a whole story about that. And then afterwards, all of your things will, will fall into place. And I'll tell you this last thing that is so, um, it's so important to, to look out for is those signs that you've done the right thing. So last story grew up in 247 Williamson Avenue in New Jersey. When I got to my school, I had no idea that I was going to see that number in the way that I did. One day I was out at bus call and I look up at the wall and the number of my office where all the offices are is 1.247. Hmm. So what I started doing is I call them 247 moments. It's when the stars and everything aligns and you know that you're where you're supposed to be. And my school is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm serving there. I don't know how long God wants me to stay there and and complete the mission because I used to think it had to be seven because everywhere, you know, I stayed in Patterson for seven. I stayed at my other school for seven. And then I was here for seven. And at seven years, I was like, all right, God, where where are we going next? (laughs) And he's like, nowhere you're going to stay right here. Yeah. You know. And I just really believe that everything happens for a reason, but look at those moments when things are just what they're supposed to be and be still in those moments and all of it will come to a place the way it should and um just believe that, you know, um that it'll happen.
0: Yeah, no matter what, along the way just always be a good steward of right where you are, you know, yeah. full, fully present, 100% yeah. all in. That's it. Well, you have been amazing, so this was awesome. Well, I enjoyed it, and kudos to you,
1: too, for doing this. You are my hero because this is something I've thought about. Now I see that I can do it, and I've experienced it, so I may be coming to you as well, Kelly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, if if I can do it, you can definitely do it. Yes. That's awesome. I want to know all about your book when you finish it. I need to know the name of it and where to buy it, so keep me posted on that. Awesome, mom. As soon as I get it done, I will. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's quite the task. Oh, it is. But you're really good at working under pressure. So, like, when it gets to the end, it's gonna, you're gonna kill it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. my editors, I hope they feel that way too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. All right, guys. Episode four in the books. Dr. C was awesome. So cool to have her perspective as a principal in a building where she has the opportunity to impact and influence so many lives. So, here's our key takeaways. Number one, and possibly the most important, Dexter Coco is the best dog name ever. Number two, social and emotional learning is a proactive approach that has a reactive response if needed. You know, Dr. C talked about knowing and understanding your people developmentally, culturally, and individually. She takes the time to get to know her students. Once she does this, then she believes they can focus on accessing the curriculum. She also believes that students should feel feel that they belong, they feel significant, and they're able to have fun. Number three, culturally responsive teaching matters and it must be prioritized in order to create a safe and genuine space for growth to take place. This is true for anyone that we lead. Number four, listen with your eyes. Guys, this is powerful, it's important, and we need to teach this to the people that we lead. Number five, be purposeful and proactive to schedule time to meet and pour into those people that we lead. You know, it matters, that time will matter to them and it matters that we take the time as leaders to get to know our people on a deeper level. And last, number six, Boundaries are important. Guys, boundaries allow us to stay focused on what we're trying to accomplish. You know, if we don't have boundaries, sometimes we can say yes to everything and we stretch ourselves too thin. You know, we want to be the best we can be in our leadership capacity. And so make sure you're setting boundaries and they understand what those need to be. Man, what a great episode. I really hope that you guys are encouraged and you can take something away from this that will help you grow as a leader in whatever profession that you're in. Can't wait for next week, guys. Remember, get uncomfortable, find ways to grow. We'll see you next week, friends.